0: guys. <laughs> it's so good to be here and to see all of you here. Um, I'm super excited that Rush is actually happening this year. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it is honestly a blessing just to be here and to be here with all of you guys and to have um, this, spirit, this experience and to share it all together. Um, So my first rush was in 2016, and so, yeah, it felt like long ago, but this is my fifth year, I think, and so um, I'm super excited to be here, Um, and so I definitely miss the other churches being here, and those of you who are watching, we miss you, Um, but I'm happy that we can live stream and definitely share with um, more people, but, so a little bit about me. This is my family. Yeah, there's my family. Um, so they're my parents and then all my siblings. And there are fi- usually only five of us at home. Those two just got married in September. And then my sister on the left near my brother, she's in college, she'll be a sophomore. Um, and then, but soon there will only be three. I will be a senior this year at Providence. Go, Storm. <laughs> this will be my ninth year running track. Not at Providence, but just in general. I've been running for a really long time. Um, but the reason my family will be losing two members is because that's my, tw- well, it's, he's gone. But that was my twin on the very outside. His name was Colson. <laughs> he's sitting right there. Um, he's, he's my best friend. I love him. But so today I want to be telling you guys a few stories. Um, one, a personal story of mine and then a story from the Bible. And then stories that maybe some of you can relate to. But before that, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, um, for the opportunity to be here, for the opportunity to worship you and be in your presence. Um, I thank you for this day and everything you've done to get us here. Um, I thank you for the way that you love and the way that you take care of us. Thank you for each and every single person in this room and and the way that you have uniquely made them. I ask that you fill this room with your presence and prepare each of our hearts for your word this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. So, the first story I want to tell you about is from the book of 1 Samuel. Now, this story, almost 99% of you have already heard this story. So, has anyone never heard of or read the story of David and Goliath? Okay, nobody. (laughs) That's okay. It'll still be super exciting. Um, So, David was the son of Jesse. He was the youngest of eight sons. And David took care of his father's sheep, and his brothers um, served the king, Saul. So David was anointed and chosen by God to, through, Sam, through the man Samuel to be the next king. And the king reigning at the time was Saul. And so David and Saul first met when Saul was struggling with evil spirits tormenting him. And Saul had pleaded for help. He told his servants, hey, guys, I really need help. Um, This is a big struggle of mine, and it's very painful. And so he told his servants to find someone who could play the harp. Odd. I don't know why a harp would help you with evil spirits, but it did. And so um, one of his servants knew that David could. And so through this, David and Saul ended up spending a lot of time together, and they got to know each other and became good friends. And so, fast forward a tad bit, and there was a war rising between the Israelites and the Philistines. So, the Philistines were on one hill, and the Israelites were on another hill, and there was a whole valley in between them. And the Philistines had a secret weapon, and that secret weapon was called Goliath. So I don't know if anyone else grew up scared of the monster Bigfoot, but it's like you'd be camping with your family in the woods, and then you'd be afraid to fall asleep because what if Bigfoot came out and ate you? So Bigfoot our day is like Goliath their day. Goliath was this maybe nine-foot-tall guy with big muscles, a loud voice, and a really arrogant ego. He one day shouted to the Israelites from his side of the hill, to send one man down from the Israel side, to send him down and fight him. And Goliath was a man who was confident in his success and his capabilities as an incredible warrior. He was strong, he was tall, he was fierce, and he, was really, he knew how to fight in a battle. And he knew that. He, had, he said he put so much on the line because he had so much confidence in, in himself and he said, "Okay. If your one man can beat me, if your one man can fight and kill me, you can have all the Philistines and we'll become your servants. But if I win and if I beat you, then you have to become our servants." Everybody was terrified. Everybody was so scared that there was 40 days until actual fighting would start. David's brothers were in the army at the time for the king, and one day uh, David was sent by his father to bring his brothers um, food and supplies. And so David went to where his brothers were. Um, he He gave the supplies to the keeper of supplies for the army, and then he went to meet his brothers on the battle lines. And so when he was there, he heard what Goliath was saying. He heard that one man needed to go and one man needed to fight Goliath. And when David heard the confidence that Goliath had, he said, who is this? Like, who is this man to defy the armies of the living God? How dare he do that? So when he heard Goliath's challenge, he then went to Saul and said in verse 32 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. When David said that he would fight Goliath, Everybody laughed and told him that he had no chance. And yet David then told told Saul in 1 Samuel 17, 34-37, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear." This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So David was obviously going to go fight him. And Saul was like, okay, well, let me help. So Saul gave him a bunch of armor. And so he put all this armor on David and he gave him all of these swords. And David was like, so he was the youngest of eight brothers. And in the Bible, he was described as ruddy and handsome. And so all of the armor that Saul put on him, David stood there and he was like, man, I can't wear this. He could barely walk in it. And so David went to a stream. He got a few rocks and he got a sling. And that is all he took to battle with him. So in verse 43, when Goliath first saw David coming at him with nothing on him but just a rock and a sling. He said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Then David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now the next two verses are really important. David says, this day... The Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David was a man after God's own heart. We not only see this here, but it is mentioned time and time after again in Scripture. This is the moment where David knew that God was for him. And so David stood in confidence. And in verse 50 it says, So David triumphed over the Philistine and with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David knew who was on his side. When David trusted the Lord and put his faith in him, God gave him confidence like no other. Jeremiah seventeen seven said, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Proverbs 3, 25 through 26 says, Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being taken. David knew that in his heart. David was surrounded by fear, but the only voice that he heard was God's. Not only was David surrounded by the voice of fear, but he was also surrounded by the voice of his brothers. When David went to the battle lines to meet his brothers, and when he heard what Goliath was saying, he knew that he could fight him. He had confidence in God, but when he said that he could fight him, his brothers laughed. They laughed, they made fun of him, and they even questioned their own brother's heart. In verse 28, it says, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. David's brothers thought that he, that he was only there to mock them and to watch them get destroyed. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that your own brothers would be for you? Wouldn't you think that they would be on your side, lifting you up, encouraging you for what you were about to do was the impossible? David went into the battle listening to one voice, and that voice was God's. You see, David didn't just know that God had the power to defeat Goliath, but he believed it. David believing was him putting his trust and his confidence in God alone, and David solely relied on God. He solely relied on him to fight that battle. David knew that he was loved by God, and he knew that God was on his side fighting for him. What does it mean to have someone for you? What does it look like to have someone for you? Is it a friend? Is it a family member? Is it a mentor, a D group leader, a teacher? Is it your best friend's mom? We all know they're always for you on our side. But after thinking about that, do you have someone for you? And what does that look like? I can say that God has given me one of the greatest blessings of surrounding me with people who have been for me and who are for me. In the best of times and the worst of times, God has been fighting for me. But not only him, but he has surrounded me with people who have done the same. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about just that. So when I was in middle school, I was here in J High at Perimeter. I also went to school here. And it was October, which meant that it was time for the fall retreat. And back then, the fall retreat was at Snowbird, but I don't think that they go there anymore. Um, So my family and I at the time debated whether or not it was a good idea for my brother and I to go. Um, So... Another thing about my family, this is also my family. So, this is my family. in middle school. Um, My brother, my sister, and my younger sister, and then my dad, and that's my mom in the hospital bed. Um, So, at the time, um, well, my mom was born with a disease called cystic fibrosis. And this disease affects your lungs, and it affects your whole digestive system. And at... My mom was in the hospital because since July of that year, 2015, um, my mom had to get a simple surgery done, which was to place a feeding tube in her. And so um, because of my mom's age and just the way that the disease works at the time of her life, it was um, the plan was to hope to get a double lung transplant. But in order to get a double lung transplant, there's this whole list of things, like a checklist that you have to cross off for requirements that you have to have in order to get the double lung transplant. And so um, what what ended up happening that summer was she just all of a sudden started losing weight. And we didn't know why. We didn't know how. And so we tried everything we possibly could. She tried everything she could um, to just gain weight back, but nothing was working. And so um, we decided to just um, go ahead and get the feeding tube put in so that her body could gain that weight back so then she could soon, hopefully, get the double lung transplant. And so after her surgery, which was supposed to be a simple, easy procedure, she ended up getting an infection. And so from that, she was from that July, she was in the hospital um, basically fighting for her life. Every day was a roller coaster, it felt like. Um, she would be doing so well and making so much progress and checking things off that list of requirements. And then it's like one day everything would fall apart and we'd be back at square one. And so come October, we didn't know if it was a good time to leave for my brother and I. Um, but we ended up going. And it ended up being a time of peace and stillness and time to get away from everything that was going on in my home. Being there at that retreat, I remembered I was so worried and so unsure of what was going on in my home. Was my mom going to be okay? Is my dad okay? Are my grandparents okay? On the last night of the retreat, um, it was a concert of prayer, and the whole the whole room was sitting with their D groups, and worship was playing, and I broke down. <laughs> I remember I was so scared, and all I wanted was God to heal my mom. All I wanted was for that pain to be gone, for her to be okay, for her to come home, to see her, to be with her. And I was sitting in what felt like a pit. It was a really dark pit, and I couldn't really see anything around me. I didn't know what was around me. I didn't know what was going on. And I felt so much pain. Not just for myself and what I felt like I was going through, but seeing my mom in that place of struggle. All of a sudden, sitting there, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me loud and clear that everything was going to be okay. That my mom was going to be okay. That my family was going to be okay. And that I was going to be okay. At that moment, I went from knowing that I am loved to believing that I am loved. One of my best friends was in my D group at that time, and she was, she was with me during the retreat. Um, she, uh, she came, she was in my class for the past two years before that in a row, and we knew each other since we were six years old. And so she knew my family, I knew her family, and she knew everything that was going on with my mom. And so soon after I had that aha moment, she randomly, out of nowhere, started praying for my mom. That turned into an overflow of praise and prayers throughout the room for my mom and my family. And at that moment, God was confirming again and again how everything was in his control. And so leaving that retreat, I had hope, I had confidence, and an overwhelming amount of peace. Peace knowing that everything was going to be okay, that my mom was going to be okay, and that I was going to be okay, and believing that I am loved. Nine days later, I was in the hospital with my mom for the very last time. And then the next morning, she passed away. How do you go from standing confident in the hope and the love of God to having your mom die after years of struggle? I was so afraid. I didn't want to grow up without my mom. I didn't know how to. I was afraid of her dying. And I remember the pain and the heartbreak that came when she was gone. And after that, I was so frustrated with how lonely I felt back in that pit. How lonely I felt with that darkness and I didn't know what to do. I may not have noticed it in that moment of shock, but God was still fighting this battle for me. Over the next four and a half years, the Lord continued to show me countless ways that he has been for me. My mom is rid of pain. She is rid of struggle. She's able to sing and dance and laugh and able to breathe perfectly with Jesus himself, and that is glory to God. Through his redemptive healing in my family and his perfect plan, I have a beautiful stepmom who is the image of sacrificial and selfless love and the most caring people you will ever meet in my stepsister and her husband. That is glory to God. I have been broken and lost yet again and again. God was in control, and he was, and is, and always will be for me. And he was, is, and always will be for you. Just like David said in verse 47, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. God was fighting for me the whole time. He always has been, through my life, with my mom, through my pain without her, through struggles with body image, through struggles with control, through shortcomings, and through my mistakes. No one is going to fight for you the way that Jesus will. He fights so hard because he knows that you are worth it. Some of you may be struggling to hear those words. Some of you may be struggling to even believe those, and some of you may be hearing it for the first time. But don't give up, because he has a plan, and he loves you, and he wants to show you that. He even showed us John three sixteen through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins on his, in his body on that tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. God gave the ultimate example of what it looks like for someone to be for you. He died and took every sin upon himself so that you and I can live a life filled with hope. We can live knowing that one day we will be with him in paradise paradise with no sin, no brokenness, no pain, and no death. He promises one other thing, that it's going to be hard. There will be struggle, there will be tears, and there will be pain. But he is so much greater than that. Life is not easy and it's hard. But first John 16:33 God himself says in this world you will have trouble but take heart because I have overcome I want to challenge you with two things One find people who will point you to Jesus and who will surround you with the voice of God He is the only one who will give you rest and will satisfy you with what your heart truly needs So one more story um, this was the week I got back from the fall retreat. It was a Friday, and I went to my, one of my best friend's house, um, Kaylee. Um, so we went to her house, and a bunch of my close friends were there, and they organized this hangout for me um, because they knew everything that was going on. They knew that I was overwhelmed, and so they organized this time for me to just come together and just laugh and have peace and feel joy. And so when I got to Kaylee's house that night, they had all sorts of junk food. They had all of my favorite kinds of ice cream. Um, I remember getting there, and I stepped away for a second because I got a text. And that text was the worst text of my life. My dad was with my mom in the hospital like he had been for months and months on end. And he texted my siblings and I saying that, my mom's celebration of life was going to be the next week. My mom was still alive, and yet we had to plan her funeral, and this was the moment that I had to accept that soon she was going to be gone. As I was sitting there in shock, my friends came over, and I told them what had just happened. I showed them the text, and immediately... They surrounded me, all placing their hands on me, and all they did was pray. They prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. Do you have people in your life who will be there for you in the hardest moments, and who will point you to Jesus? Even David had somebody. Right after 1 Samuel 17, which was the story we just read of David and Goliath, the next chapter, and even the very first verse, it talks about the special bond between David and Jonathan. Jonathan was a friend who loved David as himself. And my second challenge is, are you going to seek and find this person who is fighting for you? Are you going to surrender to the one who is calling out your name with arms open wide, with a love that is endless and a heart that is for you. He is there and he loves you and he will always be waiting. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the way you hear us, for the way that you listen. And Lord, how intentional and purposeful you are with our lives. We thank you for being in control. We thank you for being our Heavenly Father who loves us the way that you do. We know that you are for us, but God, help us to believe it. I ask that you dig us deeper, you grow us stronger in you, and may we run after you with everything we've got. Amen.